Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good. Good, good, good. I'm going to shift a bit. It's really good. Uh, I love this theme of unveiled faces. Um, Dave and I chatted a wee bit about this recently because I think it took us a wee while to get our heads around it a bit, didn't it? And, uh, um, and, and not in a bad way, just in a good way, but uh, I just feel we're on to something now. I feel like something, yeah, okay. So let's go. Um, you, you, you know the whole idea of, of what we're doing? We're doing this, this idea of it being a process there's a process of getting to know God. There's a thing called sanctification, all right? There's, when, when we get salvation, it's momentary. We, get, we pass from death onto life. But sanctification is a process that goes on a whole lifetime. And God is always wanting to take us to deeper places. He's wanting to take us to deeper depths, to higher heights, to wider places. And, and one of the reasons we looked at a couple of weeks ago was Peter, why he took Peter, James, and John up the mountain was that he wanted to reveal more of himself. They saw so much of the kingdom and this incredible kingdom, but he wanted to uh, show them so much more. And that's why we picked this verse as a, as a sort of a key verse for the series, this idea of all, who, all of us with unveiled faces, it says, contemplate the Lord's glory, and we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So it's a journey, it's a process, and and so every day, you know, um, it's one of those things as you go to bed tonight, I often say following God is direction. It's not about rules. It's not about whether you keep the rules or not, because what happens is we end up with so many rules, we don't know what to keep and what not to keep. But the whole idea of following Jesus is journey, it's direction. So what direction are you facing? Are you facing towards Him today? Or are you facing away from Him? And even as believers, Sometimes we can get our back towards them, can't we? We can get cold, and that's what happens. We start to walk away from the fire, and our faces turn the wrong road, and so it's important to know what direction you're facing. And God is calling us into, always calling us into new encounters and revelations of His glory and, and calling us into some pretty cool stuff. And it's why we use in this verse for the practice. Al will be talking a little bit about this tonight, but this whole idea of participation, this idea that God actually calls us to co-partner with him, as I've highlighted there, you may participate in his divine nature. That's uh, the goodness of glory. It talk, talks about God's glory and goodness, and then it says, through these he has given us the great and precious promises to allow us to participate with him, which is a very powerful thing. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we began to take a look at the glory of God, and we began, we said we'd do that through the life of Moses, and um, we'd love to get to Exodus 33. We're not going to get there today, but we started a journey a couple of weeks ago to, um, to see how Moses actually 
had this incredible desire to see the glory of God. And of course, we know what happened, that God took him up a mountain, hit him, or hit him in the cleft of a rock, and allowed his goodness to pass by. And he allowed Moses to see his hinder parts, um, the, the, the Bible tells us. So, um, and then, so last, last time I was on, Frank was here last week, but two weeks ago, I, I talked to eight lessons I give you um, that were um, really important, how we... How, how Moses got as far as the burning bush. So those eight lessons got him there. But God loved poor Moses. We've left him standing at the burning bush for two weeks now. So we better go pick him up, all right? He's foundered. So um, we're going to pick him up um, today at the burning bush, and we're going to see a little bit more of this journey. In the, in the story of Exodus 3 and 4, there's a scene where God commands Moses to tell Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, to release her people from bondage. But unfortunately, Moses doesn't think he's the right man for the job. He doesn't think he's up to the job because he has a tendency to stutter or lose his direction when he's talking in front of people. He's slow of speech, the Bible tells us. And so um, God asks Moses a really interesting question. Now, this question is, is an interesting question because I've heard it preached on many, many times. But I had a little bit of an epiphany. I went to bed last night and I was lying down in bed and I... I I was going over this verse in my head as often I do, and I was going over, and I realized that there's a that in it that I never noticed before. I wrote it on the flip chart so you pick it up. Um, there's a, a that in it, all right? We've often heard it said, you know, Moses, the, the question is, what do you got in your hand? But it actually goes a little bit deeper than that. He's not just saying, what do you got in your hand? Because you could say, well, I've nothing in my hand, I've nothing in my pocket. He's actually being very specific about his his question. He's saying, what is that in your hand? So if you're looking up Facebook right now, what is that in your hand? I was only joking. Um, so, um, right, okay. Um, what is that in your hand? And Moses has got a stick, all right? He's got a staff, something like this. And um, it's probably a bit bigger. A shepherd's staff was about six foot tall. So that's about that height for me. And it was about six foot tall, and it had a hook on the end of it. And, and uh, that, that, that Moses, Moses had had this stick for 40 years. So Moses, it wasn't, it was actually a bit of a, it was a, it was a bit of a, a, a really strong question, all right? The point was that Moses already knew that what he had in his hand, and God was letting him see that what he wanted him to accomplish already he held. Just he had never seen it. Interesting, isn't it? What God wanted him to accomplish, Moses already held in his hand, but just had never, ever seen it. And so what I want to do, I want us to, to think about this question, and I want us to think about it in light of Moses today because it, 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 it reveals a few things about Moses to us. This staff was, was, his, in, was his identity. It was, it was what defined him. It was all about his personality, all right? And um, I don't know whether you've considered who you really are or maybe even who others think you are, um, but Moses answers, he answers, it's a rod, a rod. It was used to guide, it was used to lead, it was used to protect the sheep, it was um, used to support the shepherd, it would uh, help them climb up a steep hill or go down a, a, a slippy bank. 
Um, he, he would have led the sheep with it. He would have directed them. He would have corrected them. He would have pulled them out of danger with this thing. It was a pretty interesting piece of kit, really, that um, he had in his hand. And so Moses is, is trying to figure out what God is defining for him and what God is showing him. All right? He, he would use this in defense for the sheep, and, and it identified him as a shepherd. And when people saw him with this, they would have said, well, there's a shepherd. <laughs> Simple enough. And, um, but it was, about, it was his life. It was his um, identity. It was his livelihood. It was everything about him. And this, this, this um, rod probably told an awful lot about him, as we'll see as we go on this. And, and in a way, it, I sort of think when God said this to Moses, what is that in your hand? Moses probably thought, God, if you're the last person I thought would have asked me that question. It was almost like it was a, it was like a dagger to his heart. God, would you remind me again? After all of this time, you're the last person I thought would have reminded me of who I am. It would have took him back 40 years to when he was a prince in the palace, when he was holding a different type of rod, a rod of authority, a scepter um, of kingship. And, and, and we, if you knew the story, what happened was he, he, he felt 40 years previous that he would follow God. He went out and he saw a, an Egyptian um, treat one of his Israelite um, fellow uh, people badly and he killed in, in anger and we know from the study of Moses that he had a bit of an anger a bit of a bad temper and he kills this Egyptian guy and he takes it into his own hands and then he goes on the run he buries him in the sand but eventually word gets out and he has to go on the run and so 40 years for 40 years he's been a man on the run and and he's he's nothing but a shepherd keeping another man's flock and so like Moses, we hold some stuff on our hands today. Some stuff maybe that we don't like. Some stuff maybe that's not bad. And, and here's a few little things maybe that might jog us in our mind. Maybe be the past. It might be some pet sin. Just something that you, seems to come up all the time. It's one of those repentance, repentance, repentance sins. You know, one of those ones that you, you feel guilty about and you repent, but you just do it again. And then you repent, and then you do it again, and you repent, and you do it again. That's a pet sin, all right? If it's something that you've repented of 40 times in the last month, then it's a pet sin. And you need help with that, and you need to look at that, and hard feelings over some things maybe that people said to us that creates unforgiveness in our lives, or, or the sorrow of life. Sometimes just you feel you've been handed a, a, a bit of a a, a rare or a raw card and circumstances, feelings of inadequacy, negativity, or might be even good things like talents and, and abilities and accomplishments and all these things, whether good or bad, identify and control our lives and we come to depend on the things that we hold in hand and we might even think that we can't live without them. The enemy is a way of making us think like that that you just can't live without these things. They become a, an integral part of our lives. Like a shepherd leans on a staff. Uh, we lean on things. And so there's times I'm sure that Moses with his flock, when they were maybe just grazing and, and he wasn't on the run, he would have just leaned on his staff, a bit like this here. And my question to you today is, what do you lean on? What is it that you lean on outside of God what is it that you lean on? What is it in your life that seems to be the thing that 
that props you up, the crutch, for want of a better word, that, that actually is the thing that, that you always turn to that defines a little bit of who you are. And so it might be things like our past, it might be our problems, it might be our grudges, our abilities. Again, I say our talents. And, 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 and we live for those things and we allow them to define our personality and control our spiritual destiny. And as we look at those things, God's going to teach us how we can rise above those and how we can actually control those and how the thing that we hold in our hand doesn't actually need to hold us. That's what I'm going to try and do this morning. So not only was it his identity and his personality, it became his influence. It was his influence for all of these years, which was a problem because he thought himself inferior. He thought he wasn't good enough. He thought he had blown it. He thought he'd, he'd, he'd made a mess 40 years ago that he could never make amends of. He could never get redeemed. So this, this thing that defined him, this thing that was his identity and personality, not only was his influence, but it was a problem. It was the thing that actually started to hold him back. Moses, again, must have remembered all of these things that, that defined him. God And God wasn't asking for information. God was asking for instruction. God was asking Moses to carefully consider the thing that he held in his hand. Because again, I say, the thing that he held in his hand held him. All right, this rod identified him um, for what he was. It reminded him that he was a prince. It reminded him that he was just a servant. It reminded him that he owned nothing. All right, it reminded him of all of these things. He was merely a husband. He was washed up, nobody on the backside of a desert. And here he was, and he gets the call of God. All these things that I've mentioned before have the ability to find us our sins, our hurts, our, our negative feelings, all impact not just us, but those around us and our church as well. And, um, and they even determine how we serve the Lord. And I, I, you need to know this, that the Lord redeems. He's the redeemer. He's a restorer. He will retrieve things. He will bring things back. He is the God of the second, the third, and the fourth chance. And even the positive aspects of our lives, like our talents and abilities, become liabilities if we depend on them and don't give them to the Lord. And we can come, become a little bit arrogant and cocky about our, our, our personal abilities. I love this verse out of the message, and yeah, let me read it to you slowly because I know it's a lot on the slide. So let me just read it to you slowly. You can follow it along. It's out of the message, Romans 12. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Imagine, God wants your everyday mundane life, right? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do, uh, you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that what He wants you to do and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. What is that that you have in your hand? What are you clinging to today? Is there some attitude, some activity, some action? Paul could say this in Philippians 1.21. He could say, for me to live is Christ. What a statement. For me to live 
his Christ. He would even go on and he would say, to die is gain. <laughs> for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what do you live for? Whatever it is, it reveals your personality and whatever it is, it controls your life. So if you live for Jesus, it'll control your life. If you live for something else, it will control your life. Some people can't even worship because they're so filled with bitterness over something or so, what somebody said to them or something that happened to them. Some people won't serve the Lord because everything in church hasn't gone their way. Some people are hindered by sins or, or some self-righteousness, and we've got to be so careful about all these things. But not only was it his identity, and not only was it his influence, but it was his income. This was the, the thing that, that, that actually was the very thing that defined his livelihood. It, and it was, a, it was all about his potential. He was a good shepherd, I'm sure. And, and he wasn't the good shepherd, but he was a good shepherd, all right? And when, the, when Moses objects the call of God in his life, God uses a series of miracles with this rod to teach him the truth that he would go with them into Egypt, and so what he does, he says, I want you to throw this on the, on the ground. I want you to take this rod, this rod that you've carried for 40 years, and I want you to throw it on the ground. And this old dry dead stick that he'd had for 40 years came to life. Isn't it amazing that he'd carried it about for 40 years dead, and the moment he gave it to God, it came, it came to life. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? The very thing that had defined him, the very thing, his identity, his influence, his very income, when he reached it over to him, the thing that was dead and dry became alive. The Bible tells us it turned into a snake, probably um, a cobra, um, because it was a symbol of worship to the Egyptians. And then he says, take it up by the tail. Now, not a really good idea. Sure, it's not to take a cobra or a snake up by the tail. And as soon as he takes it by the tail, it becomes a rod again. Interesting, isn't it? Really, really interesting. This thing that was um, a, a, nothing but a tool or a weapon, a necessary part of his life, but in his hands, it's just a dry, dead stick. But when he gives it into the hand of God... It becomes something alive and very powerful. And, and here's the point. I, I love this, actually, because when you're studying the rod of Moses, it's the last time it's called that. That time that he lifts it by the tail, every time you read about it after that, it's called the rod of God. <laughs> this dry, dead stick. And it's interesting, like it became living, and I, 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 I'll not give you all the references for time's sake, but I have the references um, this was the stick that he used to confront the, the Egyptian soothsayers. He turned the, the waters of Egypt to blood. He brought the plague of frogs, the plague of lice, the plague of thunder and hail, plague of locusts. It was the rod that he used to open the Red Sea. It was the rod that he caused the sea to come together again that destroyed the Pharaoh and his armies. It brought water out of a rock in a desert. It, was a, it brought victory over the Amalekites. It, and God took that stick that week powerless, dead, dry stick and used it in a mighty way because Moses yielded it to God. Had it remained in his hand, it would just remain with no power. But because he handed it over. Imagine, imagine the thing that, that Moses felt trapped him, defined him, that was the thing that God used to release him. I was saying in the first service, I have a friend, John, and he's a, he was an alcoholic for many, many years, and he works now with alcoholics, Belfast, and um, that's all he does. 
And I have this little saying, um, people say to me all the time, if, if, when they get saved, they say, oh, if only I'd have got saved sooner, you know, just think of all the wasted years. And I say, stop, stop that nonsense. There's no such thing as wasted years. There is no such thing. God can redeem. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. There is no such thing as wasted years. And my friend who was an alcoholic texts his dry dead stick that defined him. And every day he sits with people because he cast it down, you see. And then God says, I want you to take it up again. And that's what I want you to do because that's what you have in your hand. And he says to me, Phil, every day I'm sitting with people and, and, and he says, Nine times out of ten, they'll say to me someday, well, you don't really know, you have no idea where I am. And he says, oh, yes, I do. Because, you see, I had that in my hand. It defined me once. It defined me. But I stopped allowing it to define me. Give it over to God. God allowed me to take it back again. And that's why I'm sitting here today. If it holds you back, Maybe it's just because you haven't given it over to the Lord. That sin that you refuse to abandon to the grace of God is a dry stick in your hand. That bitterness over some past wrong you feel you've suffered is a dead, dry stick in your hand. That negative spirit you possess that causes you to look for the bad in everyone is a dry, dead stick in your hand. That sorrow that you've allowed to shape your life and steal your joy is nothing but a dry, dead stick in your hand. But bring it to God and He'll teach you that even your pain has a purpose. (laughs) This is incredible. That ability that you have that you become so proud of is just a dead, dry stick in your hand. I love this verse in, in Romans 8, 28. Uh, you know, I, I have a Christian friend. He's a theologian. He's not a very good one. But um, he, 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 tried to, he tried to prove to me lately from Bible, I, don't, I get lost, but he tried to prove to me that all things didn't mean all things. He said, Phil, it's not you taking that out of context. It means all good things. I don't know where he got that. He did try to explain it to me, but I must send him to you sometime. He's not getting here. But, uh, uh, yo, come on. And uh, we know that all those who love God, that love God, all things work together for good. All things. All things. All the bad. All the mess. All the past. All the brokenness. All the sin. All of that stuff. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And who are called according to the purpose. And I give the first service a great illustration of this. All right, if you want to know if you're called according to the purpose of God, I'll give you a test. You can try it when you go home. Get a little mirror, put it under your nose, and if it steams up, that's your, you're in. You're in. That's all right. So you try that when you go home. You'll all be at that. But I tell you, there's something about this. Those accomplishments, those things, when they're yielded to God, when they're held back, they're a burden. When they're yielded, they're a blessing. Keep them, and they'll burden you. Give them, and they'll bless you. I love this. When we hold on to it, it's a problem. When we release it, it's a potential. Did you know that if you have food in your fridge, if you have food in your fridge, and clothes in your back, and a place to sleep tonight, then you're richer than 75% of people in the world. Amazing, isn't it? If you have money in the bank, or money in your wallet right now, or in your purse, or if you have a little dish at home that you put your spare change into, and then you're in the top 8% of the world wealthy. Top 8%. 
92% of the world has less than you. If you looked at the stats of how many people live in less than a dollar a day, you'd be shocked. That's 80p, 75, 80p. Um, so my question to you today, what is that in your hand? As a church leader, I believe that the secret to happiness is fulfilling our God-given purpose in life. So what is it you're called to do? That is when we, we're, we're most successful, when we find out what we're really wired to do. And that might be coming to, 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 to wrap presents with Nicola in, 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 in a couple of weeks' time. That might be... That might be giving some money to the hampers. That might be looking at how, uh, who could we bless that lives across the street with one of these blessing bags. Is, what, have, what, is it, what is it you've got? Sometimes we're that busy looking for all the big and the, and the grand. We miss that it's in our everyday waking, working life. It's every day, every day in the school, in, in the classroom, in the gym, wherever it might be. In, in your workplace, in, in your street, that what is in your hand? And, and, and Moses knew that this was a, an indispensable part of his work life. He knew that until he yielded this, this stick that it was never going to have any power in his life. But, but I just want to challenge you as we bring this into land um, today. I want to challenge you about giving it all to God. I think that sometimes we get so tied up in petty things and, and it wouldn't do any of us any harm to get rid of some stuff and just have some things on the screen just to maybe challenge us as we, as, as, again, as we, we try to conclude it today, just to challenge our hearts about where we are with this. Is there some sin that needs to be laid down? Not to beat you all up about this, but you know, sin's a, sin, sin's a scourge and it's, it, it was... It was manufactured in hell, so it's not good. Manufactured in hell, and it will destroy your soul, and it will destroy your life. And there is nothing worse than a person who has followed Jesus that slips into habitual sin and lives a dull life. There is nothing worse. I know I've been there. It's horrific. It's horrific. And you just need to yield it. You just need to give it over. You need to get rid of it. It's not worth it. And there's freedom and liberty in Christ. And, and I tell you, there is nothing more liberating than just laying it all down and saying nothing is worth taking that joy away from my life with Christ. Is there some event in your past? Some of us just can't get over our past. We're still struggling to, you know, God has forgiven you, and even maybe the person you hurt has forgiven you, but you just can't forgive yourself. Some sorrow, some bitterness that just hinders you today. You just can't seem to jump over that style. That just seems to be too high. It just seems to be, I often say, if you were writing your book, this is a, a page or a chapter that you would have left out, and, and you just can't seem to get past it. Is there some area where you feel you've, you've arrived? Is there something that maybe you feel almost too good that God, well, I'm, you know, you know, Phil's up there and I could preach him under the table or, or those worship leaders. If they just get me up there, I'd show them how to, how to make this place rock and roll. Well, we don't really want it to rock and roll, but um, we just want to bring God on the scene. People of all kinds of ways of working, you know. And is there some talent or ability that just fills you with pride? Pride is the downfall of any man and any woman. Pride was the downfall of Satan himself. Is there anything in your life that just holds you back? 
Is there something that just you lean on that become, has become a crutch in your life and you're just not dead sure? Even you don't like it, you're just not dead sure how you'd live without it. You don't like it. If somebody were to wave the magic formula today, you would jump at it because you'd just love to get it out of your life, but you just, you know it's a crutch. You know it's something you lean on. God says, I, I would love you today just to throw that down. I would love you just to get rid of that because that is a dry, dead stick. Is there something that holds you and your family and your church back? <laughs> See, this is not just about you. Seldom is. Seldom is. It's about your family. These parents in this room, what a responsibility. More than about just us. Look at your life. See what you hold. You may hold it in your hand, but it dominates and controls your life. And when you hold on to it, it's a liability. And when you give it to God, it becomes a spiritual asset. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Life is either about a dead stick or it's about a powerful Savior. And I'll go for the powerful Savior because dead sticks just need surrendered. Stevie, will you come? We're going to finish with a song. I'd love us to sing this song as a response. The, the prayer ministry guys are at the back and, and um, I'd love you to bring what you have in your hand and cast it before them. It might, maybe it's just a matter of saying this morning, do you know what, I, I do want to, to, you know, I'm not just saying that we need to rededicate because we can rededicate and re-rededicate and re-re-rededicate. But there is something about just laying some stuff down. Maybe just a worry, a, a wayward son or daughter, I don't know. I don't know, but just you've tried to work it out. You've tried to figure it out. You've tried to do whatever you do. But this morning, just a surrender morning. And I've finished in good time because I'd love us to do that. I'd love us just to surrender. I would love to surrender my life afresh to God this morning. I'd love just to say, God, I... I I, last week I, I shared with you, or a week before I shared with you about Moses, when, when God said to him, Moses, take off your shoes because the place you're standing is holy. And Moses shed his shoes and came forward. I said to you that God wasn't saying, don't come. He was just saying, don't come as you are. <laughs> you see, you need to surrender some stuff. And Moses is standing there, this shepherd of 40 years, barefooted and and. He doesn't even have his shoes on, his old dusty sandals. And God now saying, I want, I want your influence. I want your identity. I want your income. <laughs> I want everything about you. And if you give it to me, you see, I'll allow you to take it up again. And maybe this morning, there's just something that you need to freshly surrender to say, God, I can't do this anymore. And I'm giving you it all. I'm going to lay it down. I don't know really what way you want to do that. I do think response is really important. And so um, it might, you might just want to come and kneel at the front. 
might want to step out into an aisle or wherever, whatever you want to do. You do it whatever way you feel you need to do it. I don't want to do it as a spectacle, all right? But I want, to, I want us to do it sincerely. I want to do it. And we're not trying to rally anything up or spice it up. Or This is just uh, let's worship. And as we worship, maybe you might want to come and kneel at the front or stand at the front. Or There's always something in response. Everything I ever got from God, I responded to something. So when I got saved, I responded as a boy. When I got baptized, which 10 people are doing tonight at 5.30, I responded to that. I, 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 I tormented my mom and dad to get me baptized from I was about eight or nine years of age, eventually the day after my 12th birthday a few years ago, um, I got baptized. When I got filled with a spirit and and moved in, in, in the things of the Spirit is because I responded. So response is really important. And uh, so we're not just doing it for uh, a, a scene. But if you feel this morning, you'd like to just to come and stand as an act of reverence or kneel or do whatever you want as we sing this song, then let's do that. Then I'll pray a prayer over us and then we'll go get our dinners, all right? But let's surrender. Let's surrender what we, everything that we have to God. I, I, I said this, and then we'll sing. That when, when God was saying to Moses, take off your shoes, he was saying, I don't want you, I, I want you, Moses, I just don't want your stuff. I want you, I just don't want your stuff. And I've preached for many, many years, and, and we've talked about the broad road and the, and the narrow way. The, it talks about the broad road, and many there be that find it. And then there's a narrow way, and it's just few there be that find it. And we preach the gospel on that, and rightfully so, that sinners are on the broad and crowded road, and we want them to find that narrow way. But there's more than that. It's a bigger passage than that. There are loads of believers that are on the broad and crowded road. The Bible says it leads to destruction. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it simply means this, that some Christians just, they, they just carry so much stuff, not willing to surrender at all. They want to they veer on down that broad and crowd. Are they saved? Yes, of course they're saved. Saved? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But just life, they're not living that purpose-filled life. It's just all about the stuff. God says, when you surrender, you say, you give up the right to own your stuff. You can't carry suitcases down that narrow way. There's no room to carry your stuff. There's just room for you. God said, now time to shed some things. Time for you to get into the narrow way where it's just you and me, God said. Deeper depths, higher heights, joy, I tell you, it's the most incredible, it's the most incredible road, but we'll talk about it more next time. Let's stand, let's worship. As we worship, as I said, if you feel like it, if you feel like making your, if you don't, no problem, but if you do feel like it, just make your way up to the front as, a, as an act of response to saying, I'm surrendering afresh to him all this morning. And then I'll pray and we'll go. Let's worship together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.